This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Morning, everyone. Please keep your Bibles open to John 14. And you might find the outline in the bulletin helpful. This is the third week of our series in equipping us to uh, do evangelism. Uh, we've come to the week where we talk about prayer. So uh, the week of this whole series in equipping us to do evangelism, obviously, is a, it's a good one. We want to be equipped. We want to be used by the Lord. We want to be used by the Lord to uh, so that God will use us, that more people may become Christian. That's a good thing, right? Uh, a question that can be asked is, okay, we want people to become Christian, but what is a Christian? What is a Christian? Is a Christian someone who, you know, like you, has set aside time on Sunday and regularly on Sunday to come to church on Sunday? Uh, I mean, that's how some people think of it. A Christian is one who is, has his sins forgiven. Okay, that's a Christian. Uh, a Christian is someone who was once spiritually dead, but now is spiritually alive. You know, so what is a Christian? Uh, different people may have different answers to that. And those things that I've said, that there's some truth to each one. Uh, but look at what Jeremiah says. Uh, you don't have to turn to it, I'll read it for us. In Jeremiah 9, the Lord says, <clears throat> Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts, boasts about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord. So what God is saying here is, if you are so smart, so smart that, you know, multinational companies, you know, uh, get you over for consultation, uh, universities want to hire you, you get paid, you know, just to give a talk. Uh, you can be that smart or you can be so strong that you win uh, an Olympic gold medal for Singapore. Or you can be so rich that, you know, you, you just inherited uh, a billion dollars. I mean, all this can be true of you, but you are not to boast of any of this. Because all of this pale in comparison to actually knowing God. So what is a Christian? It's true, a Christian is someone who makes time, come to church, you know, that's, that's something that we do. A Christian is someone who has his sins forgiven, someone who was once spiritually dead, but now is alive, but, but that doesn't get to the heart of it. The heart of what a Christian is, is that he knows God, that he has a relationship with God. He doesn't just know about God. But a Christian is one who is now alive and has come into a real and intimate, a real knowledge, personal relationship with God. And uh, as the scripture in John 14 was read for us, that was uh, Philip's question. right? Show us the Father. Okay, We're going to explore uh, Philip's question and how Jesus answers that, but let's ask God once again to help us as we hear his word. God, thank you that all this can be true because of your grace and mercy. That it is you who have made yourself known. That sinners, rebels can come to know you. 
So Father, please uh, help us as we consider this passage and the promise of prayer uh, that you so lavishly give to us. Help us to believe that we may indeed be more faithful in our prayers. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So it is uh, Thursday night. It is the night before Jesus goes to the cross. Okay, It is the last night Jesus has with his disciples, and he is preparing his disciples for the time when he will be away. And so they are full of questions. And Philip, uh, at this point in verse 8, asks, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. So Philip has this yearning he wants to see. He wants to know God. He wants to uh, see the Father. And Jesus' answer is, verse 9, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? Okay, so you need to realize that this is uh, Philip talking, and what he sees is a man, right? Jesus in, is, is a man, he's just uh, eaten the Passover feast, and he's saying to Philip, if you see me, you have seen God. Okay, this is a man, you know, with two eyes, two ears, one mouth, and that one mouth is saying this. But this is something that all throughout John's Gospel, even right from the beginning, John has been eager to testify. Right, the first thing that John said about Jesus is that he is the Word. Why the Word? He is the Word because he is the, the message, the expression of God. The, the message of God come to us, not as a messenger with a message, but this is the message itself, himself. God himself coming to reveal the Word made flesh. No one has ever seen the Father. But the one and only Son who is by the Father's side, He has come to make God known. And so all this time, Jesus has been saying things, doing things, and He expects the disciples, if you know me, if you know what I've been all about, you would have known that I reveal God. So how can you say, show us the Father, you've been seeing the Father all the time, when you look at me, Jesus says. So he says, uh, continuing in verse 10, The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own. Right? So these words where Jesus says, I reveal the Father. These words where Jesus says, you see me, you have seen the Father. There's nothing else that you need. Okay, these words, Jesus says, I do not speak on my own authority. Okay, Verse 10, look at it. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is saying these words. Correct? Okay, no, those of you who are looking at your Bibles to say, no, 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 that's not what it says. But that's what we expect him to say. Right? I do not say these words on my own, but the Father says these words. No, Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Now, I think this is a reference to the miracles, all the signs that Jesus does. So Jesus says, you have seen me, you have seen the Father, but it's not just all talk. 
Because all through these years, the disciples, you know, Philip, they have seen the signs that Jesus has done. And in John's Gospel, they are not called miracles. They are called signs. They are called signs for a reason. Because a sign points to something. So when Jesus heals a paralyzed man, when Jesus opens the eyes of a man born blind, when Jesus feeds, you know, 5,000 in the desert with just a happy meal, you know, all these are signs pointing to his words, that he is the one who has come from God to reveal God, that he is God in the flesh. So, Jesus' words, backed up by Jesus' works, and all this done on the authority of the Father. Now, what Jesus goes on to say in verse 12 is something that now uh, applies to us. Okay, So, he's been talking to his disciples, talking about himself, but now in verse 12, he says something that applies to us. Uh, us if we are believers. Because verse 12, he says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. So can you see, he's talking about us because he says, whoever believes in me. Okay, So it can't just be the, you know, the, the 11 disciples. It must be whoever, right? Whoever who all through the history of the church, who has had a real genuine faith in Jesus, okay, whoever, okay, so that's, that's most of us in the room here. So what is Jesus saying here? This, this promise, whoever believes in him, okay, so you believe, I believe, okay, what will we do? Jesus says we will do the works he has been doing and that we will do even greater things than these, even greater works than these. So if you are following and if you have uh, you know uh, averagely fertile imagination, okay, you don't have to think too far about how this verse, chapter 14, verse 12, has been used and abused throughout the church age, right? What are the works Jesus has been doing? Wow, I mean, we just said, right, he opened the eyes of a man born blind, healed the lame, you know, healed those who are sick, walk on water, calm the storm, and then Jesus said, you will do these works. Anyone who believes in him, you have enough faith in Jesus, you will do these works. In fact, you will do even greater works. Wow, what can be greater than, you know, Healing a town full of sick people what can be greater than, than, than raising a dead man. I mean, Jesus raised uh, Lazarus after he's been in the tomb for four days. So can we go to someone who's been in the tomb for four years and then raise him from the dead? I mean, I heard on BBC there was an African pastor who uh, did a resurrection. You know, but obviously it was all fake, you know. So the, the funeral company was hired, this and that. So the, the guy who, I don't know, took sleeping pills or something. So he was in a coffin playing dead. So that the pastor could have a resurrection. And no doubt, you know, this verse informed his uh, uh, false theology. So, I mean, surely 
we know, we understand, hopefully. Okay, if you don't understand, then come talk to me later. But surely Jesus cannot be talking about that every believer, anyone who believes in him, will do greater miracles, calm the storm, heal the sick people. I mean, you can't be referring to that. Because none of us actually does that. I mean, have you raised someone from the dead recently? Can you heal? If you can, please kind of heal my shoulder. I mean, we haven't done any of this. Some people claim to. Uh, and no doubt there is real healing that comes about. Real healing from God that comes as a result of prayer. And this, okay, so, you know, we believe that God heals and that God can heal miraculously. Okay, we're not saying that. Okay, what we're saying is this cannot be referring to every believer. You know, this, this promise that we will do greater miracles than Jesus. Okay, so if it's not that, then what is it referring to? Well, the, the context as usual is our friend. Philip asked the question, show us the Father. Show us the Father. Let me see God. Let me come to know God. Don't let me just know about Him, but let me, let me have a real personal relationship with God. Show us the Father. And Jesus says, you see me, you have seen the Father, you hear my words, you see the works that I do, all this reveal the Father. So let me put it simply, the work that Jesus says in verse 12, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. What is this works Jesus has been doing? This works that Jesus has been doing is to reveal the Father. That in the flesh, this is the Son of God, that by seeing Him, by hearing His words, by seeing what His, His, His miraculous signs point to, this will reveal the Father to you. This is the work of Jesus. And so, the greater works that anyone who believes in Jesus will do is that we will be involved in this work of Jesus to reveal the Father. This is the work of Jesus, that he reveals the Father. So anyone who believes in him will also do this work. That we will as well be able to reveal, we will be able to show the Father to people. Now how will we do that? Of course we can't say, please don't do that. Don't say, oh Jesus taught me this. You see me, you see the Father. See, look at me. No, 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 no. All you've seen is the Father of Elliot, Sharona and Adani. Okay, that's all you've seen, okay? And I mean, people do say we look alike, right? And then, hey, your son's so handsome. Yeah, because they're my sons. Okay? You see me, that's all you see, okay? How we reveal God the Father is by pointing to Jesus. By pointing to Jesus' words and Jesus' works. If they see Him, then they see the Father. But, but don't you see, we can get involved in this work today. We can actually be involved, I mean, can, can you imagine it? We can actually introduce God to people. We can actually introduce God to people. Because God has come and He wants to be made known. He sent His Son and His Son says, you listen to my words. You consider carefully the works that I do that point to who I am. You see me, you will see God. 
And so that's how we are involved in this work of Jesus. That we can point people to Jesus, and if they see Jesus clearly, they will see God. Now, our 1 Corinthians passage reminded us that we, we all play a part. Right? Some water, some scatter the seed. You know, but this is God who does the work. I mean, and it is such a privilege, right? Such a privilege to be involved in God's work. You know, in some small way, you know, a, 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 a question that we answer, you know, a track that we give. I mean, in some small way, we're able to introduce, be involved in that work where people get introduced to God, where they not just know about God, but they can see God and come into a personal relationship and actually know God. I mean, one of uh, my students just last Monday uh, is a student from SUSS and uh, she came once before last year and after that never saw her again. And then last Monday, she came. And when she sat there during the teaching, you know, I was looking at her and then she was just, she was just smiling. I mean, I couldn't really read her reaction. But over supper, she said to me, you know, at various points while you were teaching, I, I really felt like crying. I said, why? why? Why feel like crying? She said, because everything you said, you know, just reverberates in me. And what was happening in her is, last year, for the first time, she said, she has understood the gospel. Now, this is someone who has been going to church ever since she was a baby. Her father is the pastor of the church she goes to. But only at age 22, because she, you know, um, her friends directed her, she listened to a sermon by Tim Keller. And listening to that sermon, she felt as if for the first time, she heard and for the first time she understood the gospel. And she said, you know, every time people talk about the joy of salvation, uh, I mean, I never understood that. I mean, okay, I'm safe, that's great. Okay, let's, okay, what's next, you know? Let's get on with it, right? Serve, let's serve. Okay, supposed to do this, let's do this. But for the first time, she has understood the joy of salvation. For the first time, she did not just know about God. For the first time, she realized that she is now in a personal relationship with God. She has come to know God. And just hearing God's words taught by, you know, inadequate men like me brought her at times to tears during that talk. See, what a privilege that we can be involved in God's work. And the question that is asked is, why does Jesus then say this is a greater work? In what sense is it a greater work? Well, the best illustration I have for this that I learned from uh, someone and I adapt is this. Okay, so you know like um, Dorothy, uh, you know, Chong's daughter. Dorothy, she's a, a nurse in the operating theater. So let's say uh, the, the surgery that Dorothy is always, you know, assisting in is how to remove the uh, appendix. Uh, Appendix, appendix, okay? And then like for hundreds of times already, right? She assists the surgeon to remove the appendix. I mean, she doesn't do it herself, obviously, but she, you know, you know, she do it, do it, do it, you know, and she's seen it for a hundred over times. Now, can you imagine, uh, one day, Dorothy is uh, with us in church camp, uh, let's say we're at Dizaru, and then we're stuck in Dizaru because of the monsoon and the flood. 
And then uh, Wesley, okay, Wesley, all of a sudden, you know, there's a pain, there's a pain. And then it's this, you know, uh, discovered that he has appendicitis and very serious. But we can't get to the doctor. There's no doctor there because, you know, obviously it's all flooded. And so Dorothy says, hey, if you don't get this out, nah, it might rupture and then you will die. So Dorothy says, okay, come, come. Uh, someone get me a, a knife, okay, uh, and then let's uh, sterilize it. And then who got alcohol, you know, and then uh, someone find me tr- needle and thread. This and, that. and then, then Dorothy, okay, she's seen this operation a hundred over times, right? And she does it, okay, with the available equipment that she has. And then Wesley's appendix is taken out, you know, it's sewn up, okay, Okay, I mean, it's, 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 uh, it isn't pretty, but he's not going to die, at least not from this. Okay, so can you see, this is an operation that is routinely done by doctors who can be half asleep. But because Dorothy does it at some resort in Desaru with, you know, the, the things that she has, it is a greater work. It is a greater work. So for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, as he comes, you know, he speaks the very words of God. He, he is, he is imbued with the power of God. He is God himself. And if he, if he reveals God, that is a, that is a, that is a work. That is a work, surely. But if you and I, sinners, rebels against God, finite creatures, we don't even know what the next five minutes will bring. But if we get to be involved in pointing someone to God, oh, Dorothy is here. Okay, you missed it, Dorothy, but don't worry. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I just couldn't resist. Just, she just walks in, yeah. Okay, uh, Dorothy that did the greater work. Okay, she's, she's over there, yeah. Okay. okay can, do, do you understand? Jesus comes, he reveals God. That's, that's, that's who he is. He is God. But we can actually introduce people to God. We can actually point someone and God can be seen. It is a greater work and we get to play a part in it. Okay, Jesus doesn't end there because there's one more great promise he gives. In verse 13, he says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Again, it doesn't take much to imagine how this verse has been abused. Anything? Ask for anything and he will do it? I mean, right? So, you know, you can imagine all the prayers offered to God, you know, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name! Please help me to pass this exam, even though I didn't study. In Jesus' name, please help this deal to go through so that, you know, uh, I'll make this big profit. In Jesus' name, please, you know, can I uh, have a Lamborghini at my door by next week? You know, like, I mean, obviously, this cannot be what Jesus is referring to because what has he been saying? He's been saying, anyone who believes in me, you can do the work I've been doing. You will do this greater work. And so it is in the doing of this greater work. It is in the doing of seeking to introduce people 
to God so that they can have a personal relationship with Him. It is in the doing of this work that Jesus now says, it's not just about you. It's not just about your resources. You can ask me for anything in my name. What does in the name of Jesus mean? It doesn't mean that you can pray whatever you want and you just add on these words. And I pray this in the name of Jesus means that prayer will be answered. No, it doesn't mean that. What Jesus means is ask for anything in my name, according to my character, according to what I stand for, according to what I'm about, according to what my agenda, what my priority is. You ask according to my name, I will do it. And what is what is Jesus' agenda? What is his priority? If you see me, you've seen the Father. He has come. He has come. He has come down from heaven. He has gone to the cross so that all this can be possible. That rebel sinners like you and I can actually come into a personal relationship with God. That's what he has come for. And he says, you can get involved in this greater work. And it's not just about what you can bring to the table because you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. So, obviously, there's a few questions um, that will come out that I want to answer. Okay, so one of the questions will be, okay, if I pray for this relative, does it mean that, I mean, Jesus wants people to be saved, right? So if I pray for this relative, does it mean that confirm, you know, stamp, chop, double stamp, chop, you know, the relative will be saved. You know, I mean, like, is that what we're supposed to take from, from this promise? Okay, so my answer to that will be, uh, no, we cannot make that promise say that. Okay, why? Okay, because other parts of the Bible, even here in John's Gospel itself, it is very clear that God has chosen some. There are some who will be saved, some who will not. Okay, so this is a very clear teaching. So if uh, the very clear teaching again and again in the Bible is that some are chosen, those that are chosen are the ones who will be saved. Okay, there are only this number of names in the Lamb's Book of Life. If that's the case, then it means, I mean necessarily that it can't be every single person that you pray for will be saved. Right, you cannot make this promise contradict what clearly other parts of the Bible say, which is not everyone will be saved. Okay, so is that, is that, is that clear? Uh, okay, another question that some people may have is, uh, you know, why, why do we need to even pray? I mean, if, if, if Jesus' agenda is that he comes and he wants people to know him, if this, this God is so powerful, you know, um, we pray according to his name, but his name means that he will, he will save who he wants to save anyway. Then why do we even need to pray? Why do we even need to share the gospel? Uh, you know. Okay, and the answer to that is, yes, it is true that God is powerful and his purposes will be done. There's some that he has chosen to save and those that he has chosen to save will be saved. Okay, so just to boil down, that's uh, you know, say this relative, relative, uh, you know, God has chosen this relative to be saved. Okay, now will it happen? Okay, if God has chosen this relative to be saved, it means it will happen. 
Okay, that's how powerful is that. He's a God who is sovereign. So this relative will be saved. But the way this sovereign God works is that he purposes to use means. God has chosen to save this relative of, of, you know, of ours. And the way he has chosen to do it is that he has chosen that, you know, those of, uh, those in his family, those in his workplace will share the gospel with him. That's how God has chosen for this relative to hear the gospel and in hearing the gospel be saved. Okay. So you understand? God not only, uh, ordains event A to happen. He also ordains events B, C, D as instruments, as means to lead up to event A happening and therefore God's purpose of event A happening will happen. Okay, is, is that okay? Now the, the simple answer to why should we then pray is because God has ordained that our prayers are one of the means to this person's salvation. So the relatives, the colleagues, they need to share. That's one of the means. But another means that God can choose to use is our prayers. And that's why he tells us to pray. That's why he tells us to share. So our prayer is not, you know, uh, offered in vain. You know, oh, it's just something that God will do anyway. No, no, no. God will do it because, uh, God will do it because he's chosen to do it. And he will do it because he has also chosen to use our prayers as one of the means. So the question that people can have is then, okay, if God has chosen this, but what if I don't pray? So if I don't pray, then does it mean that this relative won't be saved? Okay, if this God is sovereign, all-powerful, and he has chosen your prayers to be one of the means to this person being saved, then... You will pray. Because how can you go against the purpose of God? If God has ordained for you to pray, you will pray. But then you say, oh, but then there's so many times I don't feel like praying. I know, same here. That's why we're listening to this sermon now. That's why we're being encouraged from, from God's word right now. And I mean, is it hard to imagine that as a result of God speaking to us through his word today, some of us will at least for the next few days be more faithful in our prayer. That's God working. Jesus here promises we get to do the greater work. We get the privilege of being involved in his greater work. And he tells us, anything, ask in my name and I will do it. So it's very right that we pray specifically for people. Uh, so something that I do, obviously, is I pray for my kids. I pray for you know my parents who are not Christian. But those of you who have gone through the uh, Bible study during the week, uh, we learned from Acts chapter 4, right? When the apostles were persecuted, uh, you know, when they were, you know, beaten, and they were said, they were warned, okay, don't share the gospel anymore. Okay, what did the apostles do? Okay, they went back and together with the rest of the Christians, they prayed, right? And what did they pray for? They didn't necessarily pray for, okay, we want to pray for, uh, you know, uh, this high priest and this Sanhedrin and this Pharisee. I mean, they didn't, they didn't have a prayer list for the people. 
which is actually quite surprising, right? I mean, like, how many times can you find in the Bible when people pray, they pray according to this list. Okay, these are the three people I'm praying for. Actually, what they pray for is, you know, like here in Acts chapter 4 and then in Colossians, what they pray for is they pray for bonus. Bonus to share the gospel. Bonus not to, you know, be scared and shrink back in fear. What they pray for is bonus. And I, I, mean, I and reflecting on this, I, I feel rebuked. Because, as I said, I pray for my parents, I pray for my kids, and I pray for them by name, I pray that they will be saved. But the thing that I don't always pray for is bonus. Because it's, it's as if I'm saying, okay, God, please save them, but, you know, don't, don't, don't let me dirty my hands. Don't let me get involved. You know, you know, please, may they be one of those whose names are in the Lamb's Book of Life. Save them, please, have mercy. And then, if I don't pray for bonus, means I'm like saying, okay, you know, whatever way you want to do it, that doesn't involve me, great. You no, know, but just do it. But when I actually pray for bonus, I'm actually praying to God, you know, on the, on the promise of Jesus' words here. You can do this greater work, and whatever you need, ask in my name, and I will do it. And when I ask for bonus, when I ask for opportunity, I'm actually saying to God, yeah, no, it's possible, use me. I want to be used. Let me be used. I'm prepared to be used. And I'm trusting you, not looking to myself, my wisdom, my elder. I'm looking to you. Now, that's what happens when we pray for bonus. The other thing about praying for our kids is, one thing that struck me is uh, at the end of the, the video, right, after Simon Manchester speaks, there's all these uh, people who come and they share the testimony. There's one guy who said, uh, you know, my dad commutes from work, okay, and he says he commutes from Gosford. Now, most of you don't know where Gosford is, but I know where Gosford is because I've been to Gosford. And Gosford brings back all these memories because in Australia we got to know... Uh, 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 older pastor and his wife, and they've been such an example to us. And so Gosford brought back all the you know, memories of the example that he gave, how he was as a father to his children. And so the guy's testimony was that his dad, when he traveled from Gosford to Sydney, one and a half hour train journey, he would pray for his children. One and a half hours. Praying for his children. So, I, like I said, I pray for my kids, but I pray that they will be saved. But there's so much more that, as a father, I should be praying for. I should be praying for my example in the home. I should be praying that my life, away from the scrutiny of the church at home, is an example that, while not perfect, should commend and adorn the gospel. See, all this, Jesus says, whatever you need, ask for, and it will be done. The other thing weighing on my heart is, tomorrow is the NTUCU movie event. We booked the cinema, you know, with your money. You know, we booked the cinema, and then people, are, the, the students are supposed to invite their friends, and supposed to watch this movie, Risen, you know, about the resurrection of Jesus. It's a 60-seat cinema, and at the moment, 15 seats are filled. No, so I am 
okay, you know, come on, come on. You know, so if this is something that, uh, you know, in, in, later when you remember to, please pray. Please pray that the students would be bold. The students would, you know, right to the last minute, you know, continue texting their friends, inviting their friends. And, but more importantly, that the non-Christian students that show up, okay, will be, you know, served by the, the, the movie and the discussion afterwards to really consider words and the works of Jesus and may God be pleased to reveal himself to them that some of them in due time may actually come to know him. May God help us. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at bcpc.sg.com